How many people have electricity at home? I say, how many people have electricity at home? All right, we're coming to your house. Yeah. Anyway, thankfully we have electricity at the office and we have a shower there, so uh, y'all be able to stand us. Uh, let me open us with prayer. Father, it is good to come to uh, your house this morning. It is good to uh, consider uh, the subject before us, to look at uh, uh, age and how that uh, affects us all. And Father, we just uh, uh, also pause and think of all those uh, uh, part of our body and, and those uh, not, but that are still without power, that are um, putting up with all of the uh, inconvenience. We just pray that uh, the power be restored soon, and those who are doing the work to restore that would be safe, uh, and uh, that their work would go well. Father, we just uh, lift all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Um, thank you for coming. I uh, did some thinking this week about what it is that I really do, and uh, what it is, is that I take thoughts and experiences and I turn them into words, but mine is not the real word, as you all must well know, and so mine are very flawed, and sometimes I just let them tumble out as they come, and uh, it seems to work with people. But be careful because of the counsel that I give you. And the real word is here, as you well know. And uh, I want to start with, uh, who was it? Oh, it was, yeah. It was my friend Jess over there who said that I should tell you when I'm going to give you a little scripture. So but I'm sure you all are familiar with this. This is from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Is that awesome or what? That is awesome. So then I remembered about over in Job. By the way, I love all the books of the Bible, I realize, but Job, that was the first chapter of John. Okay, verses 1 through 3 or something. So, you mean in John? Job. Job. Oh, in Job. Okay, we're going to go, well, okay, I would advise, I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 38 in Job. And that, this follows the chapters where his friends are talking to him about all the things that happened to him, giving them all their wonderful wisdom with words. Elihu actually didn't do too bad a job. But then... Job finds himself face to face with Jehovah, and Joseph, uh, Jehovah says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. So with me, Folks, you get counsel. You get counsel, but it's counsel with words, by words without knowledge, because no matter how much knowledge I might have, I can't have the knowledge of Jehovah. I can't have the knowledge of God. So I'm not the final word. 
but I'll do what I can. Now, uh, okay, every week I'm going to start with a little bit about me, more than you want to hear, as I've already been told over here on, uh, <laughs> by one of my friends. <clears throat> Last week was another one of Patty Porterfield's excellent adventures. How did it end? It ended like they always do with me on my knees. Because I don't do it right. I never seem to do it right. It started out, as you know, last week with a wasp sting where, where my hand started swelling up and I, I was on prednisone with the advice of the pharmacist and the doctor. And so the swelling went down right away. But the itching was there for a long time. Then on Monday... I had a root canal redone. It was an old root canal. I thought once you had a root canal, you never had to have it over again. But no, I get to have a root canal redone, and I'm phobic of dentists. And so I sat in the chair, and I was so tense. I cannot tell you how tense I was. I shook. I just shook it. It drives my dentist crazy, my endodontist. And uh, it was an ordeal. And I kept thinking, why can't I handle this better? What's wrong with me? Why can't I relax? Why can't I pray and just relax? I couldn't do it. Then I went to work on Wednesday morning, and I was happy. Oh, I was so happy. And so I was singing to myself. Now, we've already established that I have never grown up. So I was singing to myself, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go from my childhood. And I thought, hey, that that felt really good. So I think I'll sing it out loud. So I started, hi-ho, how-ho, it's off to work. I go, and it sounded like one of the crows in my yard. It was awful. And I realized, hey, that's the voice of an old woman. And I thought, why do I have the voice of an old woman? Another dose of reality. And then I thought about something my youngest daughter, Kara, said. She used to, when she was only five or six years old, and she's now 50, but just into my head. She used to hang over the arm of the chair that my grandmother sat in reading her Bible. I used to tease her about cramming for her finals. And so she was reading the Bible, and Kara would just hang over the chair, and every now and then she would reach out and she would rub her arm, and then she would reach up and she would touch her face like this. And my grandmother never discouraged it, never said, go away. So I said to Kara, honey, why is it that you like to touch Granny and, and then you like to touch her face and you like to rub her arm? And she looked at me with, what's wrong with you anyway? And she said, Mommy, mothers are soft. Grandmothers are softer than mothers, but great-grandmothers are the softest of all. And then I remembered another incident where I was giving a talk in some big hotel somewhere. And I went into the beauty salon to get a haircut, and uh, there was a little girl who was hanging over the chair looking at me. And her mother was the beautician, and she said, is she annoying you? And I said, no, not at all. But she was just staring at me. So her mother said, she said, that's my daughter, you know. And so she said, honey, why is it you're just staring at this lady? And she said, oh, mom. Her hair is so much prettier than Nancy's. And I said, who is Nancy? And she said, Nancy was my, is my best friend, and I did her hair today too. And she has gorgeous hair, gorgeous dark hair. And so her mother said to her, why do you like her 
this lady's here so much, and she said, she has all those beautiful, shiny, silver ones. So you see, we don't see things the way children do. All the time, anyway. Okay, so... Then I went to a child family seminar with my child fellows, and uh, I had to say goodbye to three of them who are graduating. I've had them for five years, and that was sad for me because they were a part of my life, and now they're leaving. They're getting jobs out in the real world. So I was thinking about that, and then I, I all of a sudden I, got, I was in the car. I was going to go to Hospital West where my office is, and I got very dizzy. And I got very discombobulated, and I got a little, a little uh, scared. I wasn't sure where I was. I thought I might be having a stroke. I was very tired, and I managed to drive home. And I got home, and I, I had trouble getting in my house. And I thought, what is wrong with me? There is something really wrong with me. And then, what is different about me? And I thought, prednisone. So I go online, and I look at the side effects of prednisone, and I had them all. And, but what was neat was the last item on there said you do not have to taper off of prednisone if you've been on it for less than six weeks. So I threw the rest away. But I had the side effects. They were scary. Then things straightened up a little bit. Then the heat. The heat started. And I don't like heat. I don't tolerate it very well. And then we had the storm that on, uh, I guess it was, what, Thursday night? Or Friday night, yeah, whatever night, that's my memory again. But when you're alone in your house and it's dark, the light goes off, all the lights are off, and I am alone, and it's very dark, and then, then there was the wind and the lightning, and then there were things that go bump in the night. And I have a lot of them blowing around everywhere, slamming into the house, whatever, and I was scared like I was when I was a child because I was afraid of the dark when I was small. So I was afraid of the dark again. And I tried praying and everything. I tried, I, I tried saying, I know that you're sovereign. I know that you're with me. I was able to do one thing with grace, by the grace of God. I was able to realize that, that I was seeing an awesome display of God's power. And that soothed me somewhat, but not completely then we didn't have any power for 21 hours. It was 21 hours of increasing heat with no relief in sight. And I realized I was addicted to electricity. Absolutely addicted to electricity. I couldn't, it's, I couldn't seem to survive without it. I read my Kindle Fire. I played games on it. And, but then I got tired. My eyes got tired. I wanted my computer. I wanted the TV. I wanted all those things I was used to having. I wanted air blowing on me, cold air blowing on me. I was not a happy camper. I was complaining and feeling sorry for myself. I did every now and then think about all those poor people that were out there working on those lines in this heat, trying, working on getting those trees out of the way. And then I thought, you know, Patty, you are... A total waste sometimes. You do it all wrong. And I do. I do it all wrong. There's nothing really wrong with you. What is, why, why are you going through this? Why are you thinking of all your fears? And I remember that 
I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. The problem is I never stay delivered. I'm right back with all those fears again because I can't seem to do it. I don't do it right. And so I realized once again, this was the bringing to your knees thing. I can't do anything. I, I, must, I must rely on God, on, on Jesus Christ. I can't, I just can't do it. I'm a miserable failure at it. And that's with just my few things. And then I thought about the people in here. We're going to talk about some other things too. We're supposed to and I want to. We're going to talk about people in here right now, in here, who have chronic pain, who have uh, problems getting around that they don't see any end to, who have illnesses they're being treated for, who don't know what the end is going to be. I want to know how you do it. I want to know what are your fears. I have fears over everything, it seems like. It never, it never ends. When God takes care of one fear, I come up with another one. So what are your fears? How do you do it? Because I don't know. I need help. I'm asking you to help me. With that said, I'm open for discussion. What are you afraid of? Ah, that's true. How can you be afraid when you hear me telling you that I've done it all wrong all my life and it doesn't seem to get any better and I'm 78 and I'm still doing it wrong? Isn't that what? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. If you've got any scripture that points to that. I know. I, I'm only 49 years old, and I, I, I hurt all the time. My body hurts. My feet hurt. Um, walking. By the end of the day, I'm in pain, and I go to bed in pain. And, um, you know, I just and I, I'm like, you know, if I feel like this at 49, what am I going to be like when I'm 60? Um, I'm 70. What am I looking at? Um, a lot of it's the diabetes and, you know, what it does to my body. But I just, uh, I find no relief most of the time. And I get tired of popping pills. <laughs> uh, so it just scares me, you know. How am I going to raise the youngest of seven? And what if something happens to me? I always think, what if something happens to me? What's going to happen to them? Thank you, Karen. Those are very real fears. Do I have an answer? No. But the, it helps me sometimes when I just voice my fears. Because lots of times I look around in church, especially in church, and everyone seems so put together. And I think if they knew me, I'm not put together. How come these people are so put together? But you're, 
David, there's a, we need the mic over here. Appearances are deceiving, and um, I think that's why we're here. What you said earlier about feeling like you're, you know, you've got to the point in life where you're at, and you, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but you don't feel like you've got things figured out or together. And that's that's why we come to the foot of the cross and we say, I don't have it figured out. I am a screw up. Um, I, I keep sinning. I keep doing things I don't want to do. Jesus, please cover me. Please take me. Thank you. That's exactly what I do. It ends up all the time with me back on my knees again. Why can't I stay there, though? Well, you really can't stay on your knees, uh, literally, because I'd really be too short for my weight then. But anyway, uh, go ahead. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think in the church we are afraid to express our fears because we look weak. And I think we're, we're, we don't know how to respond to people. I feel like you know, somebody comes up and has some kind of a complaint about their health or situation or job. I want to fix it. And I want to tell them, here's what you need to do, A, B, and C. Yeah. And that, that doesn't work. And yet, and then silence is, I think we think that's horrible. But I think of Job, the first Three friends were great friends until they spoke. Yeah. They just came and sat next to them. Yes. We don't do that. Yeah, we don't. We don't. You know something? Uh, when I, this, again, this goes along with my uh, childlike kind of approach to things. But one thing that I do is I always end up saying, this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He is... I, I am weak, but he is strong. You know, I am weak. I'm still a child. We don't want to admit that. We're weak. You're right. Go ahead. I have a fear of leaving a wife and three kids because when I was 20 I developed a, I always had it I guess but the symptoms came out from a hereditary disease and as I get older it just gets worse there's a chance Die so and just scares me. Thank you. Thank you, John. Of course, it scares you. Well, as um, many of you know, I fell off a roof a year ago today. Um, it's been quite a year. Um, I still am dealing with some chronic pain that I have from that. Uh, thankfully, a lot of the pain has improved. But um, one thing I wanted to mention that along the lines of what Ken said is the body of Christ uh, has been amazing uh, to, to work through many of these things. Um, and, you know, I'm not 
embarrassed about this. I'm ashamed in some respects, but there were many times I wanted to just go. Um, I was ready. I was ready for the Lord to take me. Um, the pain was that intense, and I never thought I would get to that point in my life. Never, ever thought that that would enter my mind. Um, but many times, I, I can't, I just, it's just hard for me to explain, but there were many, many nights, many days that I just didn't want to be here. Um, I'm grateful for God's grace, for his strength. Um, I continue to rely on that. It has driven me to my knees. It has driven me into the word of God more than any other thing in my life. Um, but I just can't say enough about the body of Christ and how many have come around me, ministered to me, just listened, as Ken said, and um, you know, family, friends, work colleagues. At every turn, the Lord was there. Every turn. Just when I was fearful of a um, uh, fearful of some action on my part that I might do damage to myself, I got an encouraging email, an encouraging phone call, a card in the mail. Um, you know, and I've written all this stuff down. It's just, you know, it's amazing to look back and see how the Lord was working in my life. Um, and I hope that I can do that for others. You know, I pray that that's what the Lord will allow me to do is to help uh, minister to others in some way through this and give him glory in some way through this. Um, you know, it was a horrendous accident, you know. But um, the other thing, I guess, <clears throat> that was a fear on my part is losing my faith. I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's the truth. Because I was asking myself, Lord, why did this happen every day, multiple times a day? Why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? I know you're a sovereign God. Why did this happen? And, you know, all you get is dead silence um, a lot of times. And I don't know exactly why it happened. I may never know. But what I have learned is that I have to trust his sovereign grace and control in my life. Um, he allowed me to live. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Um, and, you know, I'm just grateful to be here. But, um, you know, that has also been a fear of losing my faith, losing my hope, losing my trust in the Lord. And I'm not here to tell you I'm 100%, you know, um, I've got all the answers. I don't. But um, you know, those are real things that the Lord has, I guess, brought into my life so that I can work through them uh, with him. And the scriptures have been enormously helpful. There's been several books I've read. I've read more books this year than I've ever read in my whole life. Um, my wife will attest to that. But you know, it, it has driven me to really truly seek and dig deeper than I've ever had to before. So that could be one of the reasons for all of this. Thank you. So, by the grace of God, your faith is growing through pain, through your fears. You're not losing it. It's growing. John, you haven't lost your faith. Karen, it's still there. Like I said, I can't make it all well. I wish I could. 
I would like to make everything all well, but I, I don't have that power. And again, it's who, 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 who was it that just said, I want to do it and I want to make it well? And you did. And, and, and I can't do it. And there are some things that we can't do. But we can love each other and we can stand by each other and we can give each other support and we can share these fears. One thing that we as Christians have to look forward to is that all things will be made right uh, at a point uh, in time. We don't know when that's coming, but uh, we all have that promise. And that is something that, uh, that we can all trust in, that, that God is going to make all things right again. And you know, that's a day we can look forward to when you know, uh, we will you know, all be in glorified bodies, which, yeah. Won't have those aches and pains. Uh, I look forward to the day that I'll have perfect pitch. <laughs> and my wife looks forward to that too. But yeah, just think about you know, what, are, what, what, what we look forward to in glory. And yeah, that sometimes can help with what we're going through now, knowing that, uh, that uh, the fall was temporary. Good morning. Uh, there's, of course, all kinds of pains and fears. And I sometimes wonder if it was because my faith isn't there where it's supposed to be yet. Or maybe I was getting it right and just didn't have the scripture to back it up. But it's almost like I came to a deal with God because... I lost my mother in my 30s. My twin sister committed suicide when she was in her 40s. I've had motorcycle wrecks and shattered hips on a bicycle and dealt with my father and his issues for 10 years before he passed away. I have a bipolar daughter. And it's almost like what I stopped praying for a long time ago was change these things because I never felt it was up to God to spare me these troubles but instead to give me the strength to deal with them. And so my common, most common prayer, and when I pray it most fervently, is when I'm bicycling or, you know, by myself, is thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the things you've spared me from. I've been up that same shaky ladder and, you know, come too close. And I just think of all the times in my stupidity I've risked, you know, motorcycle wreck in New Zealand. Who goes and does that, you know? But, but God has been there given me the strength, not changing the circumstances, but giving me the strength. And so that's what I continue to pray for. Pray for. Thank you. These are all great comments. These last couple of guys have scratched my itch to the point I won't have to speak. <laughs> um, I was talking to somebody this past week and, and talking about being treated you know, with blood pressure medicine. And that's interesting. I always had kind of elevated blood pressure, but never had to be treated until I went to my physical after I knew I was retiring from my first career and coming to an unknown. And, and that is often the way my life has been, is a certain amount of anxiety or whatever about something new. Um, this past year, you know, the, the, the 
going through the newness of, of everything. Is, uh, but through all that, I've learned what Harry just said, and that's God gives me what I need to get my attention, to draw me closer, to trust him. Uh, three weeks ago, you know, pulling loads of hay into uh, Highland County. And uh, that morning I just said a prayer, Lord, just give me the strength to deal with what I have to deal with today. Turns out another guy was helping me, and he didn't know that I was running that morning too. And I saw him pull out just ahead of me, and I caught up with him. And um, We got on top of Warm Springs Mountain, and he stopped. And within sight of the top of the overlook of here, the pulpit, I blew the radiator on my truck. Yeah, here he was, uh, called his brother to come get the load of hay. Uh, he came, he unloaded and came back and loaded my truck and hauled it into the, to get it fixed. I mean, everything was there. Everything. And, uh, you know, it's those kind of things that, that start to teach me how to trust that, uh, God just wants one thing. He wants my attention. He wants my love. He wants my surrender to what he knows best. Um, it doesn't take the anxiety away, but the good thing about it is it allows me to recognize the anxiety quicker and then to hand it over. You know, uh, but you know, life is that way, our, our fallen nature. We're always going to come up short. We're always going to have a fear. We're always going to have... Something that doesn't match up. And um, and I, I just commend to whoever brain thrust was to have this, this class because this is what the church is supposed to be. You know, that we can let our hair down, what little bit we got left. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and allow others to come along the side and to minister to us, to help us. And that's what the community, at least I'm understanding what the community is all about. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. This this was uh, my friends and yours, Essence idea. Um, Essence scares me um, <laughs> because he's very good at whatever I say. He turns it around. He could have, should have been a psychiatrist. And so I never quite know if I'm doing things right. Uh but he did give us this opportunity. It's been great. Thank you. Go ahead, Don. Last week, we were, I was helping Jason, uh, my son, uh, do some work around his house. And uh, we were talking about numerous things. And he uh, asked me about when my, my dad passed away and how I dealt with it. And, and I said, really, it was, um, while it's a sad time, it's also... As a Christian, it's fairly easy. And the comment I made <coughs> was that um, I don't know how non-Christians <coughs> handle some of this stuff. And the term I used was that they don't have Christ to fall back on. And Jason chastised me immediately. He goes, said, you know, said we, we use the world's terms to define our faith, and we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Um, said we're not falling back on Christ, said Christ should be there all the time with us. Uh, he's, not our, he's not our 
uh, fallback position. He's our first position. You know, it's like the bumper stickers used to be, you know, God is my co-pilot. Well, no, not really. God's our pilot. Uh, we're, we're not even a co-pilot. We're kind of a passenger. You know, we might even be luggage. I don't know. But um, if, if Christ is first in our life, and, and I'm not saying I'm perfect on this. In fact, not even close, unfortunately. But if Christ is that who we want to emulate, and that's what we are. We're Christians. We're Christ followers. We're, we're, mimickers, we're, we're mimickers of Christ. Is that the right word? We mimic Christ, or we are supposed to. And as the church, we do that. Well, look what Christ did to the people around him. Look how he, he ministered to them, and he healed them, and he, he um, dealt with their trials and their tribulations. And as we mimic Christ, we do the same with others in, around us in the church. And it's just such a blessing. I mean, when I've had my multiple knee surgeries, it's like it's so nice when you come in and you have people that are concerned about you and ask if there's anything they can do and and mean it, not just as a greeting or a way of getting out of uh, a conversation or moving on to the next conversation. They're talking to you and they're asking if they can help, and they really mean it. And the the hardest thing for me is saying, yeah, I need help. but um, one of the movies that we watched, my wife and I were watching a while ago, was The the uh, River. And it had Mel Gibson and Sissy Spacek in it. And it was really kind of cool. But uh, Lynn was like, I never wanted to live by a, new, uh, a river, you know, because <laughs> um, I don't want that to happen. But he really had a hard time accepting help from other people. And I don't know whether there was any Christian influence in there or anything in the movie. I forget, but I don't think there was. But as Christians, we not only have to be ready to give help and assistance, we have to be willing to accept it. And I think that's even harder. That's a terrific point. Uh, uh, I think most of us have trouble accepting help. Therapists like myself, we're especially bad about it. We're supposed to know the answers. People come to me for help. So I have to act like I know something. And believe me, it's an act. Um, with you, I can tell you I don't. That's the beautiful thing about being able to get up here and saying, I'm not the answer woman. I'm struggling just like you are. Not with the grave problems that some of you have, but I'm struggling. And I don't know the answers, but I do love you, that you know. And I know that God loves me. And I don't know why or how or why he keeps doing it. Because I just keep falling down, and he keeps lifting me up. And I keep falling down, and he keeps lifting me up. And sometimes I say things to God like, how do you stand me? I don't understand how you stand me, but he does. That's what's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. You, you said something about, um, about not having to go on blood pressure meds. I really don't like going to doctors. I don't want you to tell your husband I said that. I don't like going to doctors because I don't want them to put me on meds. And they like to do that because, for one thing, it gets you out of their office. You know, they give you a little piece of paper and off you go. And, 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 so, uh, and so sometimes we see people come in on our psych unit, our units, and they have so many meds they'll be on 20 and 30 medications. And, and the, the each, no one knows how they're interacting. No one's ever even looked at it. 
And so people, they wean them off. They take them off one by one, one by one, one by one. Some they can't if it's diabetes or a heart, but they get them off the meds and they see a new person. They see a person who can think, who has not been able to think before. I got prednisone, when I, but I work with doctors who tell me the truth. So one of our faculty, we have a couple who are also internists. He has the office next to mine, and uh, he asked me how I was doing, and I said, you really want to know or what? And he said, no, go ahead, tell me. I said, I really feel awful, but never mind. I've already diagnosed myself. It was prednisone. He said, what are you doing on prednisone? And I told him, he said, why did you do that? He said, you should never take prednisone for something like that. And I said, well, where were you when I needed you, <laughs> you know? And, and he said, no, prednisone can have very bad side effects, and I had them. And I don't like this. I don't like this that we think that a medicine is going to take care of everything, because it's not. And I'm not saying we don't need medicine. We definitely do. There are some things we need medicine for, but it's not the be-all and the end-all. And I see it all the time. You should hear my residents talking about it. You should hear them talking about the number of of, of uh, people who come in with so many meds they can't even function. Go ahead, Karen. Um, I was sitting here thinking about all the things that God's already done for us. <clears throat> and I remember, you know, many years ago when I was a young Christian, um, thinking how ridiculous the Israelites were to not believe in God when he parted the sea for them and he fed them and, you know, just all of these miracles that took place in their life. And, and then they would fall back and fall back and fall back and not believe. You know, and I, I, I used to think, if I was there, I would have believed. <laughs> and, and here I sit, you know. Um, I've seen God perform many miracles just in the past couple of years with, with, what, with our situation with the girls. Um, he, you know, the church helped us more than I can say in, in all of the aspects of getting custody of the children. Um, the first the first month that I had three kids in my house, my washer went on me, and I had no way of doing laundry. And a week, the very week that the washer died on me, and I'm like, God, I have to have a washing machine. Um, Debbie, you know, I'm talking to Debbie Benich one Sunday, and she said, Oh, I have a washing machine in storage. You can have it. Um, just. I can't, I just can't, I can't name all the things. God's just provided, 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 provided. And I'm an Israelite, you know. I just don't, I don't know when, how am I going to get through next week? How am I going to get, I lost my job and I became a bully. I made my, I made Joel and Aaron's life miserable. I, I, I didn't take it well. And I didn't trust God, you know. And I, I'm like, how could you do this? You, you give us three children, and then you take our income. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I love What that. are you thinking? Yeah. I was so angry. Um, it's hard to live by faith. Some days it's just, you know, it's like, I don't know why it's so hard, because he, he provides. It doesn't always seem like he's going to, though. And it doesn't take away the pains, and it doesn't take away the worries, the anxieties. But he does provide. He does. You know, I was also thinking about, uh, Jason, about you're talking about how you just wanted to give up sometimes. 
I was sitting there last Sunday listening to Essence. I do listen sermon about the, <laughs> the gotcha moment. I found myself sitting there thinking, yeah, I want to be held by Jesus. I want to be held by God. I want to be folded in, the, in those arms. That's what I'm looking forward to. The answer is they, don't, they won't come here, but they'll come someday. But I love that gotcha moment. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, go ahead. Here's, here's a comment. David. My greatest fear, and don't want to say it here, is to be discovered for the fraud that I am. Uh, just what you were saying, I, I redid my bucket list here recently, and a couple of items on one is to, to, to at last understand election. Uh, and the other one is to be able to feel the intensity of God's love. Because, you know, as you look back over your life as you get to the, uh, I say the, not only the checkout line, but the express line, uh, as I'm in now, uh, you know, most of your life has, has been based on fear. And as I hear these people discuss the different uh, things that happen, all of us have things that happen, certainly not as bad as some others. In the instance of those things happening, God has always been faithful. And yet, I spend my life fearing, not mm-hmm. what has happened, but what is going to happen mm-hmm. or not going to happen. On the way to church, on the way home, what people say to you at church, will you reply correctly? Well, they find out that you certainly are not who you try to act like every day. You know, most of my adult life, people have tried to place me in, in leadership positions, and I keep trying to turn them down because I know what I'm really like. And they don't know you're, you're confident, you're strong, secure. They don't see the inside. Mm-hmm. And so you end up spending all this wasted time fearing all kinds of things that may happen or may not happen. And yet, I'm 69 years old, I still have not conquered it. And so, God knows, you know, how you are, how worthless you can be. But uh, most people don't. You know, they see what they see. And and so, that kind of fear is, is like a disease that eats you. And I, I, I have a the only reason I'm saying anything is because I have a sneaking suspicion there are a lot of people out there who live that way. They do. In fear. And all of us need to come to a point where, you know, I want to come to a point. My, my friend Dave that I've been across the country a couple of times with on a motorcycle trip, one of the things he laughs and calls him Mr. Spontaneity because that's the absolute opposite of me. You know, I worry about everything that's going to happen. I want it all ordered and planned and uh, set up. Uh, but at some point, all of us who feel this way have got to just cast it aside to be enveloped, I think, by that love of God to the point where we understand, wait a minute, I'm in his arms. Uh, is that storm last night, we've got our two grandchildren staying with us for 12 days, three hours and 27 minutes and 16, I said no, yeah. it seems like that, uh, while well, their parents are in Europe. But anyway, that storm occurred, and you don't have children yet. And so they were all scared. And so we brought them into our bedroom, and we made a bed beside the bed, and they went right to sleep in the middle of the storm. And I'm thinking, why can't we be that way? 
And God offers us that. Come to me. And make a bed on my bedroom or whatever you need to do for that kind of security. I don't have an ending to this rambling discussion, but there it is. <laughs> Thank you. Our time is up. To, oh, do you want to say something? Um, just tying that with something Don said about Christ being a crutch. Um, the problem with a crutch is we use it for a while, and it, it gives us some confidence, and we start trying to do it without the crutch and do it on our own. And you get a little stronger, so you let the crutch go. Um, somebody else said that, that Christ isn't a crutch. He's a stretcher. And it's, to me, that's, that's where it's at. And we just don't like the idea of laying on a stretcher. Thank you. Well, we, I promised you I would end on time, and so I will. This has been wonderful. I'm finding out that you all are just like me, you poor souls. You know, but we're all in this together, and we all love each other, and that's what's important. So let's close prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together and to share to share what we're afraid of, to share our, our faltering faith, to share all our misgivings, our fears, to know that we are not alone. Not only do we have each other, but we have you. And how many people out there do not have you? For this alone we should be leaping with joy. In Jesus' name I make my prayer. Amen.